Are you looking to learn more about investing in the central Indiana real estate market? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast with TNH Realty, where we discuss all things related to investing in the central Indiana real estate market. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Tallman with TNH Realty. We are a residential property management company that services the central Indiana market. Today, we're gonna to spend some time reviewing the top five questions you should absolutely ask your property management company. And this is when interviewing them, when you're trying to make a decision about what property management company you wanna go with, we're gonna give you five questions that you absolutely should ask. And for this topic, I want to invite back our business development manager, Jake Knight. Welcome back, Jake. Hey, good morning, what's up? Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me here. So just to recap, you are our business development manager here, our BDM, as we call you here at Tantra Realty Services. You've been with us since 2017. 2017. Yeah. Had to think about it. It was like a lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been here a while. You've been in this role for many years. And your job, I guess, to distill it down to a simple sentence or two is you talk to potential clients about our services. Your job is to get contracts signed and put new properties into our into our management group. So I think you're definitely the most qualified to talk about this topic because you do talk to potential clients every day. You hear the questions every day. You know the most common questions that are asked. But I think we all agree, and we talk a lot about this as a company with our operations group and just throughout our company, that there are some questions that a lot of people fail to ask that are really important. And we've devised some systems internally where we, we're we asking these investors these questions or telling them things that they should know. And so again, I just think it makes sense. You know, We're coming up, Jake, this will be the first podcast of 2024. This is going to go out in early January. And my guess is that some people have resolved <laughs> in the new year if they're a self-manager, say, I'm going to hire a property manager. This is the year I'm hiring a property manager, you know, for whatever reason. They they are tired of dealing with thing, tenants. They're tired of all the time involved with managing it. Or maybe it's someone who's resolved this year to say, I'm going to actually buy my first rental property. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of investigating it. I'm going to buy my first rental property and I need to hire a property manager to do that. But it really doesn't matter what time of the year people are listening to this. These questions are applicable to <laughs> They're not just applicable in January, they're applicable through for the other 11 months. So I want to kind of divide this podcast into two different sections. Jake, I want you first to talk about the most common questions you receive. And then secondly, let's get into the questions that investors should be asking, kind of the, the, the meat of this podcast, so to speak, because really we consider this first call to be, you know, this vetting process, we consider this to be a very much of a two-way street. The fit has to work for both parties. This is a relationship <laughs> and it can't just work for one party. There's going to, there's going to be problems. So we're not one of those management companies that just says, okay, ask your two or three questions, sign here and let's move forward. You know, we've been doing this long enough. We know some of the hard realities being a landlord, and we work very hard to educate our clients, our potential clients on that reality. 
So we don't necessarily have a sunshine and roses sales approach because being a landlord is not always about sunshine and roses. There's some things that we have to let people know about. Some people know about it already, but if they don't, we need to make sure that they do know about. So let's get into it, the first part, and we're going to call this the four most common questions. So Jake, tell us, number one, what's the most common question you get from investors during that initial call? Yeah, well, that's not going to surprise anybody. What is the price of your service, right? What do you cost? People generally know to ask this question. There's really no two ways about it. When they're researching companies, they really have to include this in their metrics when they're looking to hire a trusted partner for their property management services. Right. Because it does matter. I mean, your your property management company, the price will impact uh, whatever the company, company charges will impact their bottom line. So, you know, it's like anything else in life. We all want to know what things cost. So no surprise, we have a pricing page on our website. It's one of the most visited pages we have. People want to know price. Uh, hopefully, people <laughs> that come to our website have already know our pricing because it's out there. But again, it's just a very, very common question. Price being the number one question you generally get. Number two, tell, tell us the number two question you get from, from investors. Right, right. Yeah. So what services do you offer? And this is a very general question, you know, with a very specific answer. We we do have this laid out on our website and it is very straightforward, but there's also further reaching question of how do those services work with that kind of goes into explaining why we're priced the way we are. Yeah. So it's like, you know, obviously most management companies lease properties, they do tenant turnovers, they do you know, management, things like that. So yeah, it's a, it, in, at the end of the day, if you, if you kind of distill it down, we're all very similar in the services we offer. I would argue that we offered different varying results for investors and different levels of service. But at the end of the day, it's a basic amount of services or basic suite of services that most management companies offer. All right, number three. Yeah, well, it's, tell me about your company. People want to know who they're working with. They want to know if, you're a national company, a local company, what size you are. Uh, and generally speaking, they just kind of want to know that you're human, I think. Yeah. So it's just kind of the overreaching, who am I hiring? Right. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think, you know, people can develop brands and you want to do business with X company because you've heard about them. But I do think there's a definitely a subset, if not the overwhelming amount of people that, you know, want to form that relationship with somebody within the company. And so, yeah, I think getting to know that company, who they are, what their makeup is about, how long they've been in business, all that stuff is really, really important. And you come up with a number four. This one, we talked about this. This one surprises me a little bit that you get this question so often, but when you explained it, it made more sense. So what's the fourth most common question you get when you're having this sales call? Yeah, yeah. I think that did surprise you. People just want to know what the property is going to rent for. You know, So how do we determine rent? So what processes do we use to get that rent amount? I think part of that is they just want to make sure there's something clinical or scientific within that. We're not just pricing just to lease the property always. There's there's some scientific data there when so it's done in a smart way. You know, so it's kind of a twofold question. What can I rent my property for if I have a property? Or how do you determine the rent amount? Yeah. It seems like, you know, discussions with you and emails you get. You get this question all the time, 
right? So it could oh, yeah. be that you you have a conversation with an investor and they say, hey, I'm looking at this property and they want a rent rate. Okay. So they, right. That's a very common question. Well, yeah. And we get rental analysis forms just based on that question, right? right? You know, so people just filling out forms to know what their property or what their potential property that they're looking at can be rented for. So yeah, it's not a small question. I could see why it would fall. It might surprise some people, but at the end of the day, you know, the numbers are the numbers, right? Right. And that's, that's, that's your top line number. And when you explained it a little more, it made perfect sense because, and I know you get follow-up emails from people like, okay, hey, Jake, this one didn't work, but how about this one? What will this one rent for? What will this one rent for? So you do, you spend a lot of your time doing rental analysis and as, you know, and as a byproduct, become like a rental expert, you know, what homes rent for in given markets. Yeah, it's important too, you know, because these things change over time, areas change, you know, so it's one of those things where it's important to kind of keep the metrics on, you know, what market rate is in certain zones. Indianapolis is a very inconsistent city. So you have rents all over the map. So just relying on Zillow or Zestimate is not always a reliable tool. Contacting a local property manager or broker is really paramount, you know, to to getting the best answer. Uh, just mainly because we're the boots on the ground. You know, I'm in the streets. <laughs> it sounds weird saying it that way, but yeah, I'm in these neighborhoods all the time, just driving by properties or going into them and seeing the change real hand, you know, real time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, estimates are fine, um, but they don't give the full picture. I think you're right. I think a good property management company, a larger property management company can actually give you data within your neighborhood of what they've leased homes for. That's really important. I think that's really, really helpful as well. So again, I think you do, I think talking to that boots on the ground person about what, you know, Zestimate says this, what do you think about it? You may agree with it. You may think it's higher. You may think it's lower, but we have real world experience in renting these properties. And I think that it can, a property management company can provide a ton of value in helping steer that, what I would consider the top line of your pro forma you know, to get to, to, on, how, on how profitable this property could potentially be. So no question. All right. So let's talk just a minute about, you know, we have personas here and really we've distilled it down at the very top level to two personas. We call them new landlords and experienced landlords. And we're getting calls from both. You know, we have people that are new because they maybe are turning their personal property, their personal residence rather into a rental home. We get people that own in 10 markets and want to now come into Indianapolis, or we get people who have a, you know, four or five properties that aren't happy with their property manager, want to transfer it over. So the questions you get, we listed four, do those vary? Are you, are you getting different questions based on the persona for that new person versus that experienced investor? What do you see as their, their individual pain points and what questions do you, do you get from those? Yeah, yeah. So you could break this down into two personas. New landlords, you know, some of them have never worked with property management companies before, so they don't really know what to ask. Uh, some of them have, but they're in different markets too, you know. And so the experienced landlord uh, has probably owned properties for years and they've worked with property managers or self managed. So they've kind of been through the trenches a little bit. And working with companies really kind of give you a good feel for if it's a good fit or not, right? The experienced landlord was going to ask questions kind of in relation to their experiences, right? right? So I had this experience with this landlord. I have to process an eviction. You know, what does that cost in your market? What does that look like? What does that 
what you know, what's your process? What's my what's my involvement in that? Obviously, the big one is how are you communicating? So I had a property management company that I couldn't get a hold of for two or three weeks, two months, or I didn't get a draw for for three months. So so what does your process look like with that? So they they've kind of been through the the frustrating points that they may have had with a with a, a bad property management company. So they're really kind of vetting the new property manager in that way in relation to the mistakes the old property manager made. And the new landlord it doesn't have those experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So they may ask certain questions that are similar. What does eviction look like in your market? That's kind of the elephant in the room. Everybody knows what those are. They know they happen, you know, uh, what happens when a tenant destroys my house type situation, you know, everybody's great fear, but at the end of the day, it's different when you've experienced something like that. So you're, you're really kind of driving your questions in relation to that. And the new landlord really isn't They're kind of in an exploratory phase as well. This is all new to me, you know, kind of guide me into that. And they're not always certain what exactly they want to ask or what they need to ask there. Yeah, I think that's great. You don't, you don't know what you don't know. And that's why I think, and we've talked about this a lot as a company, new landlords need more. They need a longer sales cycle in a lot of ways. They need more conversation around what to get into. Now, you mentioned, you know, you said some good things there. If someone's been in multiple markets, they kind of know they've probably experienced multiple property managers. They know what a turnover looks like. They know what an eviction looks like. They know, you know, just a lot of things, they get a lot of experience so yeah, there's there's some good stuff there. So okay, let's transition then into the top five questions that landlords should be asking. As I mentioned earlier, you don't know what you don't know, and so we don't want investors, you know, to dump a list into our form that they grab from bigger pockets. You know, <laughs> and we've seen those before. Jake come through our list. And it's like I've got 22 questions for you, and here they are, because. You know, if we you just answer those questions, say we answer the four, let's say they send a, a form through and ask, you know, the conversation has three or four questions they ask. It's so important to ask these five questions because we don't want an experience to hit this investor down the road or a process that we have that we implement at some point in the life cycle that comes out of left field for them, you know, and, and have them thinking like, wow, I did not know that. You know, that that's that's not a good experience for anybody. So again, we don't want it to be like, hey, I didn't know you guys did this. And we could say, well, clause seven or you know, on page seven rather of our property management agreement, it says that we can do this and that we do it. Again, that's not a great experience. So we spend time, you spend time really making sure after you know questions are answered from the investor that we start asking questions or that we start providing information. So let's talk about those top five questions that every investor should be asking their property management company. Jake, number one. Yeah, size and structure of the organization in relation to the door count under management. You know, what is the structure of your company with the portfolio you're managing, right? So do you have do you have four people managing a thousand doors? Do you have 50? You know, so that's important, right? So who is my contact? That's a question I get asked a lot. Some companies are built as a team structure. That's certainly how we run. Uh, some companies are what I call kind of Swiss army, right? You have one person that does everything for 40 doors or 50 doors. You know, so our approach has always been to to basically 
find talent, put them in a position they're going to be good at and have them concentrate in that position so they can be good communicators. So we're constantly monitoring our door count and growing our company in relation to that. That's been our model and that's worked really well. You know, so communication's been, you know, paramount to that. It's the number one gripe I hear from people looking to switch is how do you guys communicate? What are your systems on place to to communicate well? When are you communicating with me? Stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's all kinds of different sizes and structures of organizations nationally, locally. So I think it's a really important thing for people to understand, like what kind of company, what size of company, what what structure of company you're entering into business with. We have went to more specialized. I think more people um, have went into specialized roles in property management as, as they scale up because it somebody that is great at leasing, for example, may not be great at walking a property and coordinating a project to, to turn it. So we have taken that role of more department, we call it departmental, where we you know get the people doing what they do best because we think that ultimately services the client the best. All right. Number two on the top five questions every landlord should ask their property manager. Yeah. One of my favorites, what's my involvement, you know, from multiple facets. When am I, when am I contacted about maintenance and am, am I involved in screening, you know, the tenant? When am I getting my owner draws? What do the financials look like each month? And what kind of systems are you doing or are you using to report that? So we obviously, like many companies, have maintenance reserve on file. We we have a threshold in which whatever the maintenance event that occurs exceeds that, you know, we're going to involve our clients in that because we want to involve them in the more important aspects, but not not really the minutia, the small things. This is really kind of meant we're built for passive clients that that kind of trust our services. So, you know, hire us. We'll we'll get it going and and do right by you. And report all those things transparently to you and get your draws as quickly as possible. We're a little unique. We do weekly draws. I don't know many companies that do stuff like that. You could also speak on that, Jeremy, if you'd like. But yeah, basically the, the overall general question is, you know, what is my day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month involvement? Yeah, and this is this is critical because I think there's a lot of different expectations out there depending on the investor. And this this has to be understood <laughs> right up front that because some management companies will contact you on and get approval for every maintenance that occurs at the property. Okay. Some won't contact you if it exceeds a dollar, unless it exceeds a dollar threshold. You know, some management companies, and I think this is a humongous mistake, will allow you to to choose or deny rental applications. All right. Most companies don't, and most companies or all companies should not for fair housing. So it's really important to to get an alignment or find a management company that has the same alignment or expectations you have in terms of your involvement, because this can be a big rub for people. If you want to be involved in every single decision and have day-to-day you know, oversight of the property or the tenant, then you probably don't need a property manager. You can probably just build your own team and do it if you want to be that involved. But if you're like most investors, I think, that have a, a bigger mindset in terms of scaling and, and concentrating on what they do well, they let their property manager do things. Think of it like a financial advisor or a doctor and a, a surgeon. You're not over them every day, you know, questioning if they 
bought a mutual fund or sold a mutual fund or whatever the case, or if they, you know, perform surgery this way or that way, or, you know, a car mechanic over them all the time, questioning exactly how they made your repair, there's got to be trust involved. And so this is really, really important. There are companies out there, I think, that will allow you to do, to have decisions on every single aspect of your property. But most property management companies, as they scale, particularly have systems in place and they're designed around providing you the best outcome <laughs> because that's what all of us want. Uh, but it is important to understand what the involvement is. All right, Jake, the third most important question to ask your property manager. Yeah. So what is it going to cost to get this thing ready, right? Get the property ready. So the cost of what we call make ready work, making the property ready for market. And this has been one of those subjects. I've been speaking about it since I've been in the role, but it's really been accentuated since we've experienced the inflation that we have because, well, I think most people realize, you know, inflation is real and, and it's basically it's happening really in every facet. They still get sticker shock when we go in. It's kind of one of those things where we're having a real discussion about what things cost nowadays. Painting a home isn't as cheap as it used to be, like many things, you know, so... Just having that realistic expectation when you hand a property over to a property manager on what kind of investment is going to be needed to to find a good tenant, you get a market ready. You know, you just want to give them as good of an outlook, good of a heads up as as possible with that. Yeah, we've we added this to our kind of our sales script recently called you know the inflation discussion because. Yeah, I think everyone that's it'd be hard not to know that we're, you know, we've had a lot of inflation in the last few years. I mean, it's everywhere. You experience it in all facets of your life, whether it's the grocery store, the gas pump, whatever. And it's no different. I mean, I'd argue the trades have seen even more inflation than normal. Um, it's expensive to hire people labor-wise. It's expensive to buy stuff. I've given a lot of examples. I give one specific example recently in a podcast about how a cost of a carriage house that I had quoted had basically tripled in five years. So yeah, I think it's it's really, really important. It's important to know the market that you're in too. What you may pay in California for labor is probably different than what you're going to pay in labor here. But it is an important thing. I think we run into a lot of people that said, well, hey, I had my house painted five years. It was X. Now you're giving me a quote for X plus whatever. So we do, Jake, we, you and I have talked about going over what specific things cost, what it costs to clean a house, what it costs to paint a house per square foot, you know, locked, what it costs to change locks on a house. So it is important that you get in alignment with that client about what things cost. You know, management companies will say, hey, we have the best labor rates in town. We can get the cheapest vendors, whatever. I think at the end of the day, if you're going to get quality vendors that turn the property quickly, which is really important to reducing your vacancy cost, you're going to have to pay something for that. You know, they're, they're, those really good contractors that are reliable, that are efficient, there is a cost to that, but there's also a massive benefit to the to the investor because they get that property on the market much more quickly and start earning income more quickly. So it's a big <laughs> this this is a big topic of conversation now. You know, we even have investors that you know. We painted their house three or four years ago. Tenant moves out. Here's a new paint quote. Wow, that's different. Yeah, it is. We all know it's different. We live it every day. Our investors don't. And so we it's something right. we constantly have to reinforce. All right. The fourth most important question to ask your property management company. Yeah. So are you prepared if disaster strikes? You know, so 
you know, everybody's great fear. So what if that roof goes out? What if you have a water leak, a pipe bust? Are you prepared for that? That's really a two-way street. I spoke to somebody recently that had an emergency maintenance item arise, you know, with, with a different management company. And they actually followed up with that company and they actually tried their emergency line and they couldn't get through and they couldn't leave a message, which is a huge red flag. And their property that they had, they actually had known the tenant. So the tenant had been communicating with them, which is pretty rare, but at the same point, you know, that that particular issue had not been resolved, you know, and it's been two weeks, obviously huge red flag, right? So is the company prepared to address issues as they arise uh, as quickly as they can? But is a client prepared to, to cover expenses in relation to that? And we all know those are probably more on the expensive side most times, right? You know, if it's an emergency, there could be water extraction, there could be no heat. Those costs really kind of vary all over the map there. But you just want to make sure as a partnership that both parties are prepared for such things. Now, good property management companies, and we we certainly, you know, classify ourselves in this. We have preventative measures that we offer, you know, clients that help mitigate items with servicing HVAC unit twice a year or doing gutter cleaning or this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, a house is a house and things happen. So both parties really just need to be prepared to address issues as they arise. Yeah, that's a great point because it's not a matter, I think if you do this long enough, it's not a matter of if you'll have an emergency situation or or a large cash outlay. It's just a matter of when you're going to have it. And this can come in the form mostly of maintenance, you know, an HVAC system now, they're expensive. It's several thousand dollars, you know, to replace an HVAC system. It can also manifest itself in the form of an eviction where all of a sudden you're not getting any rent. You're going to have to pay to get the tenant out of there. And then you're going to have, you know, vacancy costs, make ready. So there's a, there's a, an acronym out there called a SWAN account. It stands for sleep well at night. And I think it's a good way to think about things that you know that you have money on reserve to address most major issues. The rule of thumb has been historically to have three months of rent in a SWAN account. I think that needs to be six now. That's something I've talked about. I think it's the, the way things have risen and costs have risen. Six months in reserve of rent seems to be the better number than three. But I also like what you said about the management company and their response to emergencies. It has to be swift. If you, if a management company doesn't respond to a basement, let's say you have a finished basement and that basement leaks, it's full of water and that management company doesn't respond quickly. We know what can happen, right? <laughs> there can be a lot of mold developed, which you're talking about a lot more money. So it is important that um, that investor understands the emergency protocols to make sure that when there is an emergency, that it's going to be handled quickly and that the investor then, you know, in exchange does have the funds necessary to, to pay for that, for to pay for that work. So All right, Jake, the final number five question that investors absolutely should ask their property management company. Yeah, well, this is kind of related to, you know, cost of make ready work in some ways, but what is a property manager's, what is their expectation of condition for a property? So we require all properties meet, obviously, all health and safety guidelines locally. And that sounds like, a pretty easy principle uh, that every company should follow, but that's not true. You know, not every company has that requirement, you know, because we take over properties all the time that 
don't have handrails where stairs are present, stuff like that. So we want to limit the liability of our clients as much as possible. And these things typically don't cost a lot of money to do. So at the, the very basic level, we want to get you know all of those requirements met. It's what we call C plus or B quality of a property. So you, what, really what we mean by that is it, it appears nice, it's clean, it meets all health and safety guidelines. And by all means, people can walk into it and it's a property that they would want to lease. They don't have a lot of objections to it or a lot of complaints. Obviously, every property has limitations, but we want to take the small things really kind of off of that list there. So it's a property that people can move into that's safe and you know it's habitable, obviously. So really, what is the, the property manager's expectations for the condition of the property on a, on a year-to-year basis? Yeah. So, I mean, health and safety is the basis of it. (laughs) It has to meet that. That's going to be required by law. But most management companies should also have some things above that as well. Like the the, the things that they really feel like can make it, you know, kind of conform to their occupancy standards. So we have a list of this. It's something we've worked on. um, Just we've had it for a long time, actually, but we've more recently put it out there on our website because I do think it's important that that the investor understands what the management company expects regarding that condition. We've all seen properties go on the market. We've seen examples of it that are dirty, that are beat up, you know, smell bad, look bad, the whole thing. Those typically don't rent. They take a long time to rent if they do rent. And so we've, we've developed some requirements of condition that we, we think will be uh, the optimal result for our clients It'll make the resident happy, want to renew, all that good stuff. So I want to put a link to that in our show notes. I think it's a great list uh, for people to look at. There's going to be a lot of health and safety stuff on there, but we've we've added a few things that we feel like are really important to help you know create that great experience for residents, which ultimately in turn should benefit that owner in terms of retention and tenants being happy because that's tenants are customers and we want them to be happy. We want them to pay the rent on time and renew, renew that lease. So Jake, thanks for joining me. It's been great. Yeah, I had fun. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, we hope everyone's picked up some information that will help them in their investing. We'll be back in two weeks with another podcast. In the meantime, we encourage you to share this podcast with your investing friends. Leave us a review and don't hesitate to reach out to us with any questions. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and please stay invested in your investment.